good to see everybody this morning. Grab your Bibles if you have them. I hope you do this morning. We're going to continue in this series called Wired for Worship. Last week we looked at our uh, at, at Acts chapter 16, and we looked at the fact that even in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances, Paul and Silas, being thrown in prison and had been beaten and so, found themselves praying and worshiping God, praising God. And then the, uh, the, it was such a powerful praise and presence-filled praise. God shook the doors of the prisons. Their chains fell off and they were freed. And that's what happens as we worship, as we, because we're wired to worship. So we talked last week about uh, worshiping even in the midst of difficult circumstances. This morning I'm going to talk about overcoming obstacles. Uh, let me just ask you, anybody have any obstacles in their lives right now? Uh, a couple of you have got a, an obstacle or two. We've, we've all had those, or we have them now, or we're going to have them at some point in our lives. Uh, walls that are in our way, uh, things that keep us from entering or experiencing the promises or the promised land God has for us to experience. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world that was just obstacle-free? Remember the uh, movie Lion King, the Disney movie Lion King? Remember the song that the, that the, uh, the warthog and the, uh, I don't know what the other animal, animal was, that taught uh, Simba to sing? Remember that song? Remember it? Hakuna Matata? Remember how, remember how it goes? I looked it up this week. Um, it'd be fun, wouldn't it, if we could just live life that way, you know? Uh, how'd it goes? This Hakuna uh, Matata? Ain't no passing craze. Won't say it with me. Ain't no worries for the rest of my days. Akuna Matata. See, it'd be, not, it'd be awesome, wouldn't it, if we could just live that way? We just have our own, you know, wonderland, Akuna Matata, everything's no obstacles, no problems ever. Well, someday, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll have that. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got reality, don't we? Um, we have no problem-free philosophy. Um, in fact, the majority of Christians, if you do a study on this, the majority of Christians will say uh, it feels to them like they live more, like in, more, li- live more in problem land than they do in the promised land. There's just lots of problems, lots of obstacles in our lives for us to overcome. And I think, I think though, because of what God says to us, God tells us He can prepare us to overcome obstacles, that his power will help us overcome those obstacles and we'll be able to praise him in the promised land. Isn't that the kind of life we want to live as we follow Christ? Anybody, anybody on board for that? Is that the, so let's talk this morning about what that looks like. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 he says, fight the good fight of faith. So obviously Paul thinks there's going to be on occasion that we're going to have to fight, right? There are going to be times when we're going to face obstacles and we're going to have to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and by which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. But as I read that, I want to ask the question, how do you do that? You ever wonder, okay, I know there's a fight and I fight it all the time, but how do I fight? How do I fight that good fight of faith? Uh, ever been in a fight? Ever been in one of those times when you just had to fight? I mean, really, anybody ever, guys growing up, anybody ever been in a fist fight? 
Um, I was thinking about this this week. I remember back to the time when I was in high school. There was this kid in my class named Brad Mansfield. And he was just always messing with me. And um, I, you know, I, I hated fighting and I hated all the, that went with it. And, and one day we were out on the, on the playground at P.E. And Brad Mansfield was picking up rocks and throwing them at me. And, and he was also hurling insults and names and and the coach, you know, our PE teacher, wasn't doing anything about it. So um, when class was over and we got ready to go back into the uh, locker room, I felt like, I felt like Popeye. You remember, remember, what, remember the saying that Popeye says when he says, you know, I just can't stands anymore. I've taken all I can stands and I'm not going to stands anymore. That's just kind of the way I felt. And so the coach went into his office, and I said, um, Coach, you're in your office, and we're going to the locker room, and you saw what was happening on the playground. Would you do me a favor? He said, what do you, what do you want, Turner? Would you stay in your office for about five minutes? And I went into the locker room and went Popeye on that guy. Because sometimes there's a fight you just can't avoid. Now, I wouldn't be telling you that story if it had turned out a different way. <laughs> but sometimes there are obstacles and there are problems that you can't avoid, right? It's, it's the obstacle that comes between you and the promise. So what's your obstacle? What are, what, are the, what are some of those obstacles? You know, we're not the first ones to experience obstacles like that, right? We're, people have been experiencing obstacles like this, things that keep us, that, that stand between where we are and where we need to be, where we are in our promised land. And so what are some of those for you? In Joshua chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll look at a passage of Scripture where Joshua was leading the people of God into the promised land, and the obstacle they faced was the city of Jericho. Let me explain what's happening. They've been, if you know the story, you know that God's people have been traveling through the wilderness now, meandering around the wilderness for about 40 years. They know the promised land is promised. It's been promised for 400 years. And they have been anticipating, waiting. A whole generation of people has passed and now they're so ready to move into the promised land, and there's a big obstacle. In fact, there's several obstacles in their way before they're going to fully inhabit and own and, in, and live in the promised land as their own. There's, there's 31 cities they're going to conquer, and the first one they have to overcome is the city of Jericho. If you go into the promised land, if you go into Israel, you'll go down the king's highway, and the, as you enter into the promised land, you have to, you'll run right into the city of Jericho. Now, they can't just go around it. They have to overcome it. And that's what they're facing. Now, the city of Jericho is filled full of warriors, valiant warriors, and they know how to fight. And they can't, so they can't just go around the city of Jericho. It's, it's located in a strategic position. It's almost like if this aisleway is the roadway into the promised land, the city of Jericho is right here. You can't just go around this city. 
Because if you do, they'll come and flank you, and they'll alert all the other cities in the promised land, and they will defeat you. You have to overcome Jericho if you're going to take the promised land. It's the first city. So what is your Jericho? What is the obstacle that's in your life that's standing in the way from between where you are and where you'd like to be? Is it a relationship? Is it a challenge? Is it a financial problem? Is it a, is it a mindset? Is it a habit? Is it a, what is it for, for you that keeps you, that, that, that creates opposition, that keeps you from taking the promise that God has for you? Well, this morning I'm going to talk about three things that relate to overcoming obstacles. And the first one is we need to prepare for the promise. See, Joshua had been preparing for this day for 40 years. Joshua had followed, the, uh, had followed Moses, and he had watched Moses follow God. He had listened to Moses' teaching. In fact, when Moses met with God in the tent of meeting, and, and he and God would have personal interaction, conversation, Joshua would be seated right outside the tent. He would actually listen to God and Moses have these conversations. And when Moses would leave the tent, often Joshua would stay there and just stay in the presence of God. He was always faithful. He knew God's word. He'd been preparing for this like a champion for 40 years. Lots of training. And that's, the, that's what we have to do, friends. If we're going to overcome the obstacles in our lives, we have to train like champions. If we have to train like a champion to become the possessor of the promise. Now, I know a lot of people, for example, who have uh, run a marathon. Anybody here ever run a marathon or a half marathon? A few people in the room. We really don't know, understand you at all. We don't understand why somebody would want to do that, but we're glad you did. But, and I, so I've never done a marathon or even a half marathon, but I did run track in high school. So I understand that you don't just get up, you didn't just get up one day and decide, you know, I think I'll run a marathon today. Did you? Just, there's lots of training. There's lots of, in fact, weeks or months that go into running a marathon. I was reading this week about the Disney marathon. Anybody ever run the Disney marathon? Anybody ever been there for the Disney marathon? Um, in the Disney marathon, they run the marathon before the park opens. And so for the runners, they have to start and run at a certain pace so they get to the finish line before the park opens. And so what they do at Disney is in, on the, they, they put a bus, a pace bus, they call it, uh, to, to, run, to, to run behind the runners. And if you start running too slow and it's obvious you're not going to finish the race before the gates open, you have to get on the bus. Now, Disney calls it, Disney calls it the pace bus. The runners who are running who, don't, who have to get on the bus call it the bus of shame. <laughs> and, it, and on the bus, it's full, full, filled full of people who are weeping and gnashing their teeth because they missed the race. They, didn't, they missed the finish line. They didn't get to finish the race. So it's like us. When we train like champions, we have to train to win the prize. So when we train like champions spiritually, we have to train knowing that, that it's, it's partly up to us to be prepared for God to lead us over the obstacles so that there's no bus for us. 
right? It's just we have to train like people who are going to absolutely be determined. No bus for us. You want to say that with me? No bus for us. We can't do the bus thing. We're not going to, God, because God's not a God of shame. He wants us to win the prize. Victory doesn't come by trying. It comes by training. That's why 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness, godliness is profitable for all things. Since it holds the promise for the present life, and also for the life to come. So when you train, you learn that there are some things you need to stop doing, and you also learn that there are some things that you need to start doing, right? When you train for a marathon, you've got to stop eating certain foods, and you've got to start eating certain foods. You've got to start running certain ways, and you've got to stop running certain ways. You've got to train. There are some things that you have to stop doing, and there are some things we need to start doing and that's part of our training if we're going to overcome the obstacles in our lives that god is going to empower us to overcome we have to train if you're going to go the distance and overcome the obstacles you're going to have to to train then for the necessary tools so that there's no bus for us so we, we need god's word we need prayer we need to spend time in fellowship with one another that's why coming together to worship together is so important for us it keeps us focused on the right things. And as we're talking about in this series, we need to worship. Because in worship, as we've already said, said this last week, we looked at a passage of Scripture that said, God inhabits the praises of His people. When you worship, God is with you. You, you can know that. It's His promise. It's not mine. It's His promise that He's going to be with you. Psalm 1 Verse 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So, something you need to stop doing, right? Or stand in the path of sinners. Or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Someone who focuses and meditates on God's Word. He says, in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, he's not talking about Eastern meditation here, because Eastern meditation is all about what's going on inside. What he's talking about is focusing on what God has to say to us, and it's, focused on, it's being focused on what he has to say and what he's doing and what he wants us to know. That's what we meditate on as we meditate on God's Word. Because, friends... It's, it works this way. If we meditate on our mess, it'll multiply in our minds, right? If we're just meditating on, meditating on our own mess, it's going to multiply in our minds. It's going to get bigger. When we meditate on God's Word, it refocuses our attention off of ourself and on to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so what, see, see the rest of what God says to this in, to us through the psalmist he says when we meditate on god's word we'll be verse three he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season its leaf does not wither and whatever he does he 
prospers. That's our training, is meditating on God's Word, listening to what God has to say to us, gathering together for worship. It's doing the right things, and it's stop doing the things that don't lead us to the heart of the Father. So training, we have to prepare for the promise. As I said, Joshua prepared for 40 years for this moment that we're looking at in Joshua chapter 6, and that's why he was absolutely ready to lead God's people over that obstacle as God empowered them to experience that. So secondly, let's talk about the power for the promise. We've talked about preparation for the promise. Let's talk about the power for the promise. Because, friends, it's not our power, is it? It wasn't God's people. It wasn't Joshua's power that overcame the obstacle of Jericho. It was God's power that overcame, that demolished Jericho, that brought the walls down in Jericho. Here's what happened. You can read this in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to do a quick summary for you. And we'll, we'll read part of this, but here's what happened. They came to the city, and God began to explain to Joshua how they were going to overcome the city. Now, the city of Jericho is a fortified city. It has extremely thick walls, so thick. These walls are so thick, people actually live inside these walls. They're multi-layered walls. So there might be a wall where this aisle is in the auditorium, and there would be another wall here, and in the middle there are people living it's incredibly well fortified, this city. They are ready for intruders. It's placed where it is knowing that there are going to be intruders and they're going to have to defend their country and their place. So they built the city with that in mind. Typically now, when you take a city like this, you have to lay siege to it for days or weeks or months, and you have to try to run them out of food and water, and then you have to try to build ramps to go over the walls and take the city, knowing that when you do that, a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people who try to go over the walls are going to die. They're going to take arrows and, and swords and all kinds of things. That's normally the way you try to take a city like this. The problem with that is they're going to send a message and other cities and other people are going to come to help defend them. And then you're going to be fighting more than just the people in the city. So God knows exactly what he's doing. And so God tells them, he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, which, which is the very presence of God. It holds the Ten Commandments. It holds all the, the showbread. It holds everything that is holy and sacred to the people of God. And the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant. He says, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, have seven priests walk in front of it and blow ram's horns, blow trumpets. Just send the fighting men out, and I want you to walk around the city, blowing the trumpets, some men in front of the Ark, some men behind the Ark. There's a few warriors with you, but it's mostly going to be the priests. You know, if you read this story carefully, you'll find that not all, all 1.5 million people walked around this city. The, city the, the people of God stood and watched in the camp, and they watched the armed men and the priests walk the Ark of the Covenant around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they walked around it seven times, knowing that when Joshua told them to shout that the walls would fall down and the city would be theirs. 
Let's read the first verse or two in Joshua chapter 6. Because that's what happened, but here's what's important for us to, to know. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out or no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. If you have your Bibles and you're used to underlining or if you have your reading device and you want to highlight that, just highlight that. See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. See, when they got to Jericho, God had already taken the city. God gave Joshua the city. Joshua didn't fight a battle for the city. Joshua and God's people didn't take the city. They received it from God. Now we need to remember that when it comes to the obstacles in our lives. How much is it up to us? And how much is up to God's power and His ability to overcome our obstacles? Joshua just received the victory. He didn't take the promised land on his own power or military might. He received the promised land from the power and authority of God. You see, Joshua is just receiving his inheritance. He's been thinking about this. He's been planning on this for 40-some years. And he knows at this time it is time for him to receive the inheritance that's been promised to him. Paul talks about this when he, ta- when he writes to to, to the Romans. He says, we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Everything, he says, everything God has is ours. Therefore, now listen carefully. You and I, as followers of Christ, we need to learn to live out of our inheritance and not out of our circumstances. You agree with that? We need to learn to live out of our inheritance and not out of our circumstances. Because again, if we're focused on our circumstances, it becomes who we are. It becomes our identity. It becomes all we think about. And it multiplies in our minds, and it becomes bigger than life. And it really isn't that at all. Because, friends, you and I are heirs, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. That's our inheritance. That's our promised land. Paul tells us in Romans 8, We need to see ourselves this way. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, Jericho is a stronghold, isn't it? It's a a fortified city. It's a stronghold that keeps the, the people of God from experiencing their promise, right? We all have strongholds in our own lives. Paul talks about those as well in 2 Corinthians, if you have your your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul talks about the strongholds, the spiritual strongholds in our lives that need to be overcome. They're obstacles to our growth. They're things that keep us from experiencing the inheritance God has for us. Could be a mindset. Could be a sin problem. Could be a habit. Could be a way of thinking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For our weapons, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Your translation may say the word strongholds. He's tying it all together, friends. We have obstacles in our lives that keep us from experiencing the promises of God. Sometimes there are lies that we've believed that aren't true. Sometimes there are relationship challenges and issues. What, is, what are the, some of the... In fact, here's what I'd, I want to encourage you to do. You may even want to write this down just to remind yourself. I want to encourage you to pray and ask God to reveal to you what are the strongholds in your life that, that stand between you and the promises He has for you. What are the strongholds, God, in my life that stand between where I am and where you want me to be? What are the things? What are the habits? What, whatever it is. Maybe it's just a mindset. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a relationship. Whatever it might be. What are, ask God to help you see what those strongholds are and then trust that He is going to have, give the power to overcome those things. So we all battle these things. We need to trust in God and His power to overcome them. Isaiah 43, verse 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, and he, who, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. See what God's saying? No matter what you're going through, friends, no matter how difficult the circumstances or the obstacles in your life, God will be with you. He is with you. He will lead you through it, overcoming the obstacle. He will give you the victory. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Listen, listen friends. This is what God tells us. And what God tells us is true. You believe that? The student ministry believes that what God says to us is true. What about the rest of you? Everybody believes that what God says to you is true? Right? So if we believe it's true, then we need to go by what we know and not by anything else. We need to go by what we know and not by what we feel. Right? Because sometimes, especially in the middle of the night, those obstacles seem like really big, insurmountable, unattainable, unmovable, immovable obstacles. And friends, in the middle of the night, you got to go by what you know. Don't doubt in the dark what God shows you in the light. Okay? Did you ever have sleepless nights when you wake up in the middle of the night and all you can think about is that obstacle that's in your way? Don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. When you're overcoming obstacles, you will, and you will, you can rejoice. Here's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint 
because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given who was given to us. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, in his writing tells us to count it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. I've, I haven't really gotten there yet. I don't know about you, but uh, for me, when I encounter trials, uh, counting it joy is typically not the first response for me. Am I the only one? Is that kind of true for you? He says count it all because it will produce as you have faith and trust in God and watch him overcome it will produce a faith and a growth and a character in us see we can we can either be a prisoner to our past and focus on our obstacles or we can be a pioneer of the future and and you can be a pioneer of your future if you're trusting in God's strength and in his truth so in Joshua 6 we can see clearly that as they did what God told them to do, marched around the city six days, and on the seventh day they marched around the city seven times. That the city fell and they took the city. But don't forget what, what God told them to keep in the middle of their, of their midst as they walked around the city. Notice that it was the presence of God. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And they walked around the city for six days praising God. It's not your typical battle strategy, is it? They marched around the city six days praising God. And on the seventh day, marched around the city seven times praising God, blowing trumpets of worship and praise. And then when they shouted in praise to God, the power of God demolished the city. God doesn't necessarily fight battles the same way we do, does he? But it's important for us, just like they kept the presence of God in their midst, it's important for us to remember that when we're going through a difficult time, maybe the best thing you can do is begin to praise Maybe the best thing you can do is turn on a worship CD and begin to sing along with it just in faith, knowing that God is with you. Keep God in your midst. Remember, He is with you. you know, and, and here's the deal, friends. You know, pastors need this as much as anybody. Uh, I'm just as desperate as you or anybody else when I'm faced with big obstacles. When I have big obstacles in my life, sometimes... Um, I don't even want to get out of bed. I mean, anybody ever feel that way? Uh, anybody ever have days when you just would rather, when you wake up, rather than saying, good, good morning, Lord, you say, good Lord, it's morning. You ever feel that way? I get it. We all face these obstacles. This is not going to be an obstacle-free, akuna matata life, but we have a God who overcomes obstacles. So I have to walk by my, I can't, I can't walk by my feelings, I have to walk by my faith, right? Because friends, your feelings are going to lie to you. We can't walk by our feelings, we have to walk by our faith. But when I put praise in my mind and prayer in my heart and put the Ark of the Covenant of praise in the middle of the battle, I experience God's presence. And by the way, I think it's important to teach your kids to experience this very early on. 
so that they grow up and just know that they know what to do when they face an obstacle. Our daughter Lauren, many of you know her. She'll be here next week with, uh, actually, David will be here. He's ministering at a men's conference. David, uh, Lauren will be here. Our son Josh will be here next week leading worship. And um, I'm excited about that. They're doing that as a favor to me for my birthday next Sunday. So, um, but I remember when Lauren was really, really young, you know, maybe two at the oldest, she started having bad dreams. I mean, horrible, horrible night terrors. And she'd come running into our bedroom, screaming and crying and just absolutely terrified. So for her, her little two-year-old life, that was a huge obstacle. And when it happens in the middle of the night and it wakes mom and dad up, it becomes a huge obstacle for us too. So you know what we, told, we taught Lauren to do? We taught Lauren that, you know, just before you go to bed, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to worship with you, and we're going we're to sing you to sleep by the praises and worship of God, and we, we're praying against those obstacles. We're praying against night terrors and bad dreams and all those kinds of things, and we taught her. In fact, it wasn't too long after that that she would say often to me when we'd pray for her and with her before we just, as we'd put her to bed, she'd say, hey, Daddy, don't forget to pray for my dreams. So what's beautiful now is she's grown up knowing that prayer, prayer and praise overcomes every obstacle, even in the middle of the night, and now she's teaching her daughters to do the same thing. That's the way this works. God's with us. So Joshua chapter 6, verse 15 says, on the seventh day they rose early and the dawn, at, the, at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And he did. And they took the city. And one thing, if you'll read the story, you'll notice that this is the first city they took. So everything, all the spoils of the city belonged to God. This was their tithe. They set that portion aside and put it all in the treasury of the temple. All except, you read the story, Achan took some for himself, which caused a curse to fall over the people of God for the next battle. But everything here belonged to God. There was no promise that they would take another city. They didn't know the history yet. They, didn't know, they, they couldn't read the story from our perspective yet. They were told to trust that God would be with them in every battle from there on. And from that point on, another 30 cities were taken and another 30 kings went into early retirement. And they took the promised land. Because, they, because God was faithful to his word. Now, they began to praise God in the promise, and that's the third step here. We prepare for the promise, there's power for the promise, and now we praise God in the promise. Joshua 6, 26, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Whose fame? It was God's fame. 
It was God's fame living through the person of Joshua. But it was God that everyone was afraid of. It was God that was famous. They became known as the people of the one true God. See, God makes himself famous in and through us when we praise him in the promise. When this happens, all people, our children and people around us, who are all wired for worship, began to experience the promise and the power of God as they watch obstacles being overcome in our lives. When God overcomes obstacles in our lives by His power, He still wants the same thing from us that He wanted from His people after they overcame Jericho. Do you know what God's primary concern for the people about His people was? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over, God said to them before they ever entered the promised land. He said to them, I'm going to give you the power to take the land and to move into the inheritance that I've given you. But his biggest concern, he kept saying to them, but don't forget, don't forget who gave you your inheritance. Don't forget who prepared you for 40 years. Don't forget whose power it was that gave you the ability to overcome the obstacles. Don't forget. And do you know what else God said to them about Jericho? He told Joshua to tell God's people this message, you can find it at the end of Joshua chapter 6. He said, don't rebuild this city. Don't ever rebuild this city. Now we already established the fact that this city is located in a very strategic place. It's the entry point from one direction into the promised land. Now you don't have you know, homeland security, you don't have border fences, you don't have all of the resources we have today. So in antiquity, when you want to protect a land, you build a city at every entrance point so that it can be protected. So why would God say, don't rebuild the city of Jericho? If, if he's going to move his people into the promised land, they won't be protected. If you, under, if, you want to, if you want to know how this feels, it would be like you. Remember the first day you moved into your house, the house that you live in? You remember the first day? It would be like someone telling you, move into your house, but leave the back door open all the time. What would you say to that? Well, well won't, won't that make us vulnerable to people who could come in and steal and rob and break in? Yeah. Yeah, it will. What's God saying? What's God saying to his people when he says, don't rebuild the city of Jericho? You know what God's saying? God is saying, I've got your back. I'm going to prepare you for the promise. I'm going to give you power to overcome it. 
I want you to praise me in the middle of the promises and as a result of all I've given you. I want you to praise me for your inheritance. I want you to remember who you are, and I want you to trust that I've got your back. I want you to trust me. I will protect you. I will provide for you just like I always have. I'll be with you. Now, God wasn't just saying that to people 3,500 years ago. He's saying it to us now. We still have obstacles. We've established that, right? And we still have a God that wants to prepare us and empower us to overcome. We still have a God that's going to be with us as we praise Him in every moment of every day, trusting that He's got our back. That's who God is. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know what obstacles you have in your life right now. I don't know where you are. If you're preparing for an obstacle or if you've, you're going through one now or maybe you, you've, you've been able to put that obstacle behind you and you need to be reminded to praise God in the promise. But I want us just to take some time right now to, to ask God. Maybe, maybe there's some strongholds that He needs to reveal that are obstacles to your ongoing progress and growth and maturity. Maybe you just need to say to God, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in the midst of the problem to overcome. Lord God, uh, our Savior, Jesus, reminded us that in this world, We'd have trouble. We'd have difficulty. But then he went on to say, but don't fear, for I have overcome the world. So we're thankful, God. We're thankful for that truth. And we're thankful that you're here with us. That you've never left us. You'll never, you never will. And that you want to remind us constantly that you are here and that obstacles are always small for you, even when they're big for us. So Lord, each one of us, in our own way, are saying to you, God, right now, I want to receive, I want to receive your power, your presence, and your promise that you've already overcome the obstacles in front of us. And we want to receive our inheritance this morning. Receive that promise, and we praise you for it. And Lord, for anyone at all in the room this morning that would say to you, God, I need to begin the journey. I need to begin the preparation, and I need to begin a relationship with you. Thank you that you always wait for that and answer that prayer 
every time. Thank you that you want to forgive us and restore us and establish relationship with us. So Lord, as we, as we begin to worship now, I pray that you'll draw every single person to yourself. That you'll remind each one of us that you have a, a promise for us and a power for us to overcome the obstacles in our path. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.